So, uh, as I said a few moments ago, we are in Joshua, which is cool. Um, if you want a Bible, there are some Bibles over there. Um, I think it would be helpful, um, always helpful to have a Bible, to be honest with you. Um, but Joshua, if you're looking through it and looking for it, is in the, in the Old Testament, uh, not too far from the beginning. And um, the book of Joshua... Um, I don't want to stand on this. Uh, to give you uh, kind of an idea, if there was like the first rescue mission and story of God and grand triumph of God was the Exodus in bringing people out of slavery in Egypt and marching them through the wilderness and seas splitting and plagues happening and lots of cool stuff, then Joshua, the book of Joshua and Joshua taking the promised land and stories like Rahab and Jericho and AI and all these kind of wars and stuff is like the second triumph, if you like, like the major kind of narrative. It shifts a little bit and moves on to them actually going into the promised land. So there's all these obstacles, whether that's people, whether that's cities, whether that's their own fear. And the whole book of Joshua is about God's people finally going to where God has told them to go Years and years and years and years before. So when you start the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, um, the people of God are on the plains of Moab. They've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years is like a fairly like lengthy amount of time to be wandering anywhere, isn't it? Um, so they've been doing that for 40 years, and then now they're on the cusp of what they're going to do. Uh, there's, there's a river, the River Jordan, in their way, but beyond the River Jordan is the promised land. Where they're going to be, what they're going to do. And we're looking at Joshua for uh, a number of weeks, um, because we, think, we feel that actually the church is kind of poised to take some ground. And not in the same way that Joshua does. Obviously, it's for a set time and a set purpose. But there's lots of themes and things that develop in Joshua that I think will be really helpful for us as a church, as our faith needs to be stretched, as we need to believe that God can do more than we actually think he can. So often, like, we're so, we limit God, don't we, with our own kind of fears and worries. And Joshua is all about smashing those to pieces and saying God is greater than all those things. And um, I love history um, at least I did at school, I even did it at A-level. I didn't do very well because I basically didn't do very much um, at school at that point, which isn't something to be proud of. But I, I love looking at like ancient history. I love looking at like the Romans and like their like war tactics and how they defeated everyone and they were awesome and they were really powerful. I love all that kind of stuff. I loved uh, looking at World War I, World War II, Vietnam, kind of modern world history. But I appreciate that for some people, you hear the word history and you go, oh, it makes me want to throw up. I, I hate it. It was boring at school. It's boring now. And the temptation can be, oh, Joshua is just a piece of history. It's boring. It's irrelevant. It's just this story of like ages ago. What's it got to do with anything? But I think it's really important that even if you don't like history, Joshua has a real prophetic edge. It's not just history. It's what does it tell us about God? Who's, who's the God that's behind all that is going on here and um, it's not just, as we go through Joshua, us retelling the story. There's themes and stuff that develops uh, through this. And things I believe that even now we can learn from the account of Joshua and what happened to him 
um, back then. So I'm going to read uh, Joshua 1, 1 to 9. This is what it says. And it starts um, really well. Uh, <laughs> After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over into this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do all the law uh, to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law that have had Deuteronomy, that have had other kind of stuff that they could read, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you remember when... um, you got taught to kind of write stuff. You know, like when you did English language, you had to like write essays and you had to write, you know, if you're going to write a book, if you're going to start something, then start it really well. Get your readers in. You know, if you've ever read a book and chapter one is dull, you're like, you give up on the rest of it, don't you? Well, I do. Um, But here, you think this is like, you want me to read Joshua and the first line is after the death of Moses. Like, it's not gone well. It's not a good way, I don't think, to start a book. I mean, it's God's way, so it's a good way. But it's not how I would have started Joshua. If I was trying to, like, reel people in and go, oh, I want you to know about this story. After the death of Moses, it starts. Moses is the hero, isn't he? Right? He is absolutely massive in terms of biblical significance. Moses is huge. Okay? He's, he's the guy who, with God, split a sea. He's the guy with Aaron brought down plagues upon Egypt. He's the guy who struck a rock and water came out of it. He's an absolute legend. The people are like, Moses, Moses met with God face to face. Moses' face glowed. Moses, Moses, Moses. Amazing guy. The most humble man who ever walked the planet, apart from Jesus. We know that, right? I know Moses wrote that about himself, which is slightly awkward. But that's true humility. Moses was the most humble man ever by Moses. But inspirational leader. Okay? Now, if that guy, and for 40 years you've been like, we're going to do this, we're going to take the promised land, we're going to get there. He dies. That's the start of the book. That's where Joshua is at. Imagine how you'd feel. Your mentor, your inspiration, your hero. We can't do this without Moses. Where's Mo? Where is he? He's gone. How am I going to do this? And if that wasn't enough, 
He's got a raging river in front of him. I've got to get to there, but there's the River Jordan in my way. Well, that's awkward. Moses is gone. Big river. And third, his company, the Israelites, are our party poopers. Mr. and Mrs. Grumble. Oh, we've been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years. Oh, the food sucks. Oh, I want some meat. I don't want to be a vegetarian anymore. Oh, we need water. Oh, it would be so much better if I was in Egypt still, where we were slaves. It was wonderful. That is who Joshua is hanging out with. It is deadly. Moses is dead. Raging river. Grumpy people. Nightmare. Right? That's where Moses is. That's not where Moses is. He's gone. That's where Joshua is. Now you think, okay, this doesn't sound like a great situation. That sounds like a bit of a challenge, doesn't it? Some of us in this room will have challenges, may even be in challenging situations right now. But I'm sure we can all agree Joshua had a challenging moment right here. Even before he starts, even before he gets going, he's got a massive challenge. My faith's got to grow here. My faith's got to be stretched here. God's got to break in here because otherwise we are stuffed. It seems too much, right? It seems too big a challenge. It seems impossible. And maybe right now that's how you feel. You look at your life, you look at your situation, you think it's too much. My health situation is too much for God to deal with. My financial situation, my worries, my fears, my family, whatever it might be, my work, my faith even. Is our God big enough to deal with these things? That's the gauntlet that is thrown down at the very start of this book by Joshua. God, where are you? God, we need you. Why does it have to be like this? And I can remember um, sitting in an old school church meeting, I suppose, and um, people were talking about how it's not about mission. So therefore, I hear it's not about expanding the kingdom. It's not about light in the darkness. It's not about people coming to faith. And at that moment, I'm thinking, okay, this is done. I'm done. This isn't something I can be a part of. This isn't something that works for me because it's not about mission. It's not about furthering the kingdom of God. And then you're left with this situation of, well, okay, we want to start this church called Redeemer King in Chesterfield. That's a great idea. God's leading us. But how? You're left with the hows all the time, aren't you? God, I'm facing this. I'm facing that. I believe you, God. I believe you're big enough. I believe you're strong enough. I believe you can do it. But how? How is this going to happen? How is my situation going to resolve itself? And the whole message of Joshua and what we'll come back to is God just says time and time again, it's all about our faith. It's all about us trusting in God. And so often we're just distracted by the stuff in this world. That's why I spoke a little bit about focusing in on Jesus this morning. We get so distracted with the stuff, family, friends, work, that we forget to pursue God. And Joshua here could have been so distracted with Oh, where's Moses when you need him? Or, oh, I wish that river was a puddle. Or, oh, can you get rid of grumpy pants because they are doing my head in. Like, he could have focused on all the distractions. And in many ways, that's how, what we do, and it would have been easy to do that. But this is all about stepping out in faith, trusting God, trusting God, trusting God, even in the hard times. I think it's C.S. Lewis 
It says something like this. Hardship often prepares ordinary people, that's you and me, that's Joshua, for an extraordinary destiny. When our faith is up against it, when we have those challenges, perhaps the Lord is using it, the ordinary people like you and me can then start to do extraordinary things for God. Which is the classic thing that we see here in Joshua. It's all about moving forward. It's all about being full of faith. And it's all about God acting. And is it any wonder, I don't know if you caught it when I read from Joshua, but there was one phrase that is repeated numerous times. In fact, three times in those kind of few verses. Be strong and courageous. God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and courageous. Now, I don't think Joshua had a hearing problem. I don't think that's why God said it three times. Other than, I think, like Joshua, we need to be reminded to be strong and courageous. Because our default maybe is to go the other way. Our default is to go, oh, I can't do this, or what if, or where is God? But actually, God to Joshua says, be strong, be courageous. Moses might not be here, but I have not left you. That's the challenge that's laid down. All right, you ain't got Moses, but you've got me. Who would you rather have, Moses or God? Who would you rather have, so-and-so or God? Sometimes we can get so caught up in, oh, so-and-so or this or so-and-so and that. It's actually here is, yes, you don't have Moses, but you've still got me, mate. I'm still here, Joshua, and nothing is impossible with me. No mountain is too great. No valley is too low. No past is too messy for God to deal with. You know, we say, oh, it's impossible for God to love me. It's impossible for my faith to grow and for me to take ground and for me to deal with the situation that's going on in my life. It's not, because God is greater than it. And we have to believe that. We have to know that that is true. It's about us having faith. But faith by itself doesn't save. It's who that faith is in. You know, I had had huge faith that my car would bring me here this morning. And it did, but it hasn't changed my life. I'm not like, oh my goodness, I need to worship Saab. Like, it's just transformed my life. It's the best experience I've ever had. No, our faith is in a person. A person who saves, a person who rescues, a person who transforms. And faith can be described like this. Holding on to what we know to be true despite our changing mood. Who here has like mood changes? Right? Yeah. (laughs) All of us at different times. Sometimes we wake up and we're loving life. Sometimes we wake up when we're grumpy. Uh, Sometimes both at the same time. Mysteriously. And yet... Our faith is not dependent upon our mood. Our faith is not dependent upon our circumstance. Our faith is not dependent upon bad stuff that's happening in our life. And yet so often we live as if that's true. But faith is recalling what truth is despite our circumstance. And that's why we have to remind ourselves. That's why Joshua gets the memo three times. Because we forget. Even Joshua even Joshua, and he's, he's amazing, by the way. You'll see that. He's a great guy, full of faith. But even Joshua needed it three times at the start of taking the promised land and heading out on that. We're not to look at the obstacles that are before us, but we're to keep looking at God. There's this great story um, that I came across and I've stolen um, that I used on Alpha to talk about prayer on Sunday. But you can apply it to our faith too. 
It says, imagine your, your faith, your, your, your journey of faith is like being on a train. And you're on the train and it's great. But you know what? Sometimes when you're on a train, you go through tunnels and it goes dark. And you, you know, I nearly said sell. Your phone signal <laughs> goes down. You haven't got your internet to whatever, send your messages. You're like, it's dark, the lights have gone off, you don't know what's going on. At that point, do you rip, off your, rip up your ticket and get off the train, or do you continue to trust the driver's going to get you to your destination? You keep going, don't you? Because you know what comes at the end of a tunnel? Light. No matter how dark the situation might be, there is light at the end of a tunnel. And that's a little bit like our faith. We might be up against it. We might be like, I can't see how this is going to resolve. I can't see how God is going to come through this. But we don't, get, we don't give up. We don't get off. We carry on despite our feelings, despite our circumstance. I asked my three-year-old Elijah this morning. Um, this isn't a setup. I genuinely asked him this. I said, um, what is church? What is church about, Elijah? Expecting him to say biscuits or something, which would have been fair enough because a lot of it for Elijah is about biscuits. And you know what he said? Uh, and initially, he said death and like to do, but I think to do with Jesus dying because then he said Jesus. So we got there in the end. And I thought, oh, yes, our faith is not this kind of abstract, mysterious thing that we can't get hold of. It's in Jesus for Jesus. It's not vague. And it wasn't vague for Joshua. It's in a person who loves us. This is Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? In other words, this is what that means. God gave us Jesus, therefore he looks after everything else. If he's changed your eternal destiny, he can look after everything else, can't he? He can make sure that Joshua will get in the promised land. He can make sure a raging river is no problem. God can deal with it. Now, if we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, he died for you, he loves you, he was resurrected to new life after death on a cross, then he's got you. He loves you. He's got you. And you need to have the faith to believe that that is true. And verse 9, I don't know if you've picked up on this, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 is a command. God says, this is what I command you. It's not an optional extra. I command you, be strong and courageous. That's pretty strong, right? I command you to be strong and courageous. And it's built on the trust in who God is. I'm with you, Joshua. I love you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Be strong. But you know what? Being strong is really hard, isn't it? I think. To, to, to be strong or to appear strong to the world. Um, it wasn't as if God was saying to Joshua, be strong, my man. I want you to be doing 5,000 press-ups every day and bent pressing 100 kilos. I don't know if that's much. Is that much? No. No? All right. It's, it's for me, probably. Um, it's not as if it's like, you need to get ripped and you need to be awesome at this and you need to be able to be the most gifted sword fighter in all the land in order to achieve all that I'm setting forth for you. It's not that at all. It's be strong in me. Let your faith be complete in me. Let your dependence be in me, he says. We're not going to be able to see God do great things if we keep getting in the way. 
If we keep trying to be the hero, we can't let Jesus be the hero. That's our choice. We point to Jesus or we point to ourselves. And if we want to win this town, if we want to see our friends, our family, our loved ones come to faith, then they need Jesus as the hero, don't they? They need to be pointed towards the hope we have in him. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you will go. It follows like this. If I'm strong in God, if I'm strong in God, then I can be courageous. I can be bold. If I'm strong in God, I will not be frightened. If I'm strong in God, I will not be dismayed. But you remove God out of the equation and you're left frightened and dismayed. So we have to go to him for our strength. But the question, I suppose the million dollar question when I was looking at this, and it seems to be what God is saying to Joshua is, be strong and courageous, is how? How can I be strong and courageous? How can I uh, position myself in such a way that I will be strong and courageous, right? I think that's what the text kind of points to, right? Is that not the question you've got? Ah, yes, I know I need to do that, but how? And so I've just got... Uh, a few things that I've just quickly kind of quick fire things from this passage. They're all in there, all in Joshua. Are things that I think would be really helpful for us. And the first one is God keeps his promises. And it's really helpful that we know that God keeps his promises when we're trying to be strong and courageous. Because we're not building the strength and the courage upon ourselves, but upon a God who keeps his word. Joshua faces the impossible, right? I think it looks pretty impossible. Moses is gone, raging river, moany people. You're going to have this great land, but it's full of giants. It's full of enemies. There's many more of them than there is you. And yet there's the promise of God that he would give a land to his people. A promise that started with a guy called Abraham. And in Genesis 12, it says, Go from your country, Abraham, you and your kindred and your father's house, to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Joshua is on the cusp of that promise. But that promise wasn't just made to Abraham. It was made to his son, Isaac. It was made to his son, Jacob. And in Joshua chapter 1, you read that the promise was made to Moses too. That there will be a land for God's people. It says, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. It's like that Lion King moment, isn't it? It's like, sun, everything the light touches, I will give to you. But that dark, shadowy place over there called Mordor, we don't want to go there. It's a little bit like that. Everything you see, everywhere you place your foot will be yours. It's given for you and to you. If you will just be reminded of the promise of God and be, be full of faith because God keeps his word. You know, in the Bible, it's full of amazing promises. Some promises in the Bible, I remember Andy Worthington saying, are really hard, like you're going to be persecuted for your faith. That's a hard promise. But there's so many promises in the Bible that uh, make their way onto helpful posters with cats on saying, you know, don't fear because God is with you, or uh, fridge magnets, or calendars. And they're not just vain sentences, they're, they're lifted from the Bible. There's all kinds of promises there for us. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that. It's a fact. Come to Jesus, he's going to give you rest. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength, Isaiah says. Fact. Not vain, not vague. Promises of God. 
If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and he'll forgive you. That's good news, isn't it? Fact. If I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's a good one. That's a good one to remember, isn't it? If you feel like you're in the valley of the shadow of death. God's with me. It's true. It's a promise. Our strength is born out of the promise of God. And who he is and what he says. And you know what? I could go all day. I'm not going to. But I could go all day on these promises because the Bible is full of them. And the Bible is full of all these encouragements of the promises of who God is, of a God who loves you, of a God who gave his son for you. That all those who turn around, all those who put their trust in him will be made new. If the sun sets you free, you are what? Free indeed. Through faith in Christ. Be strong because God has made promises to you. That's a good reason to be strong, isn't it? Because God has made promises. Second, and I think significantly, you've got this spirit and truth thing going on here where you've got the presence of God and you've got the word of God and you need both. We need both. We need to teach the word of God, but we also need to be hungry for more of God the Holy Spirit, more of his power, more of seeing God at work in our lives, more fruit in our lives, being made more like Jesus. It's both. Not one to the detriment of the other, but both together. Verse 5 of Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, Joshua. I will not forsake you, Joshua. I will be with you. The Lord's presence is key to having strength. If you're thinking, oh, I can be strength, you know, I can be strong and I can do it. You can't apart from God, can you? You can't apart from being filled with God the Holy Spirit and knowing in your heart that God is in control. If the promises of God are about informing our head that God is true and God is good, then being filled with the Spirit is about informing our soul. That you would know deep down that God loves you. That you would know deep down that whatever God is with me, whatever I face, he is with me. There's this old story that I came across. Well, not a story, but like an analogy of a, a Christian bloke who hosted a house party and then everybody left early and he's left alone in his flat by himself, moping about. But he's a Christian. He's a follower of God. And um, the teacher said to the class, oh, how many people are in the room? And all the kids were like, one. It's by himself. And, and the answer was actually no. God is with him. So there's two people. Or if we were going to break it down into the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you could say there's four people. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are never alone. You know, there's that passage in Matthew 18 that says, where two or, two or more are gathered in my name, then I'll be there with them. We read that wrong. Because if we read that as if, oh, well, God's only with us when there's two or three people gathered, that means he's not with you when you're by yourself. Which can't possibly be true. Because we know he is. God is with you. When you wake up on a Monday morning and you're on your commute to work, God's with you. When you're at church here on a Sunday, God's with you. He goes before you because he loves you. He's with you in everything. The presence of God is so important. I love Romans 8. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Interesting that. God's presence eradicates fear. If we're running short on God the Holy Spirit, if we're not wanting more of God's presence in our life, if we're not pursuing him, we're going to be running low. We're going to be running empty. We're going to be going back to fear. But if we're full of the Spirit, if we're 
full of the knowledge of who God is and how he loves us, then we've received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with ours that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. The mystery of faith that God, the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit, our soul, that we don't belong here anymore. That this is not our home. That there is more to come. That there is life everlasting. That God is with you. That God never leaves you and God will never forsake you. Who needs to hear that this morning? I do. I need to know that, that God loves me. I need to know that he's always with me. That he's not going to forsake me. And that's a promise. Hebrews talks about it. It's a promise. And then third, as I talked about truth, verse 7 of Joshua. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written it. You know this book? Got a long walk over here. This book, this one that got mangled in the chairs when they got put away and it was underneath a chair. Love it. I don't think you can function, be full of the Spirit, be strong and courageous without it. This is what God has to say. This is God's story. This is about God. This is who he is. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Apart from this, how do we know about Jesus? We don't. How do we know about God? We don't love this book. If you're a Christian here, get into it. Be reading it every single day. Here, the instruction is meditate on it day and night. You think, well, if I'm meditating on it day and night, how am I going to have time to conquer the promised land? How am I going to be able to do that? Yeah, the charge is meditate on it day and night. Spend time in this book because otherwise we'll stray to the right or to the left. You know, it's called a narrow path for a reason because it's narrow, because it's hard to follow, because the world is powerful, isn't it? But let me say this, with the Bible, let the Bible inform the way you interact and view the world, not the world, your view and interaction with the Bible. All too often we go, these are the pressures of what society says and how the world is, so therefore this must be wrong. Why can't we work off the basis that this is right and the world is wrong? That This is what God has to say, and therefore it's worth following and living in obedience to it. This is not a maybe of what God has to say. This is what God has to say. Therefore, we've got to be into it. Some of it is really hard to read, right? I find some of it really hard to read, if that comforts you. I'm not going to name which books, because then you're going to go and... Actually, I could do, because then you go and read them. But some of it is really hard to read. Some of it's a bit uncomfortable. Some of it I don't get. But I'll keep trusting that it's God's word. I'll keep depending on it. And that gives me strength. That gives me courage. That equips me for all that God has for me. Because God here in Joshua ties not departing from the word to the success they're going to have. Basically, God says, if you're obedient to me, it will go well for you. 
But if you depart to the right or the left, it's going to get messy. If you follow my way, it's going to go well for you. But if you depart to the right or the left, even by one degree, it's going to get messy. It's not going to be the best that I have for you. So get into this. I kind of feel like if we're a Christian and we don't love this, I don't mean like, you know, and we're not reading it, we're flying blind. You are flying blind. We need this in our armory. You want to be strong, you need it. And there's loads of ways of getting into it. There's loads of translations. You can even have Poirot read it to you through your MP3 player. Winner, winner. But get into it. Why? Why this? Why is the book important? Why are the promises of God important? Why do we want to be full of faith and be full of God the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is important? Well, because for the, set, the task that was set before Joshua, he needed to be strong and courageous. Do you think the task that sets before us today, we need to be strong and courageous? Because I do. I really do. Because I think being a Christian is really hard. I think it's easier to not be a Christian. Well, it is easier to not be a Christian, isn't it? It's harder to follow God's way. It's harder to walk the narrow path. It's hard to be countercultural. But I love the expression that my good friend Jim McGlade has, or he stole from someone, I think. And he was saying about the darkness, and he said, our job is to punch holes in the darkness. That we punch holes in the darkness, that the light of God would be seen, that lives would be transformed. But that's hard. I'm not going to stand here and say that's easy. And we need strength and courage, don't we? You might need strength and courage for whatever situation you're facing. You know, struggling with work. I've got big decisions to make. I need strength and courage to, to follow after what God is calling me to do. Or I love my friends and family, but this is happening. I need strength and courage to be bold in those moments. And more than that, I think here, we need strength and courage to reach out and share Jesus with our mates, with our friends, with our family. Because that's tough, isn't it? Isn't that hard? To say, actually, I need to tell you about Jesus. It's the most natural thing in the world, but also we kind of build it up as it's this, oh, you know, we need boldness and we need supernatural courage in order to do that, don't we? We need strength for the days that we live in. But you know what we have on our side? God. It's a pretty compelling argument, isn't it? I think kind of wins hands down there. We have God. Courage, strength, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. To him who is able to do far more abundantly. So often we play it down, don't we? We think, oh, well, I'll just write off that person or I'll write off this situation. No, God can do more if we would have strength and courage. Till the day that God calls us home. And you know, for the task that we have set before us, if you've got people that are on your heart that you know you need to share the good news with, God's going to supply you with the strength and courage in order to do that. Don't think he's going to leave you short. Don't think he's going to lay something in front of you and then leave you short. He's not going to do that. He's going to give you all that you need, but you've got to take steps of faith. You know, Joshua, he's charged with this stuff, and he doesn't just stand still, does he? I mean, he kind of does in this chapter, but he doesn't in the next one. 
You see, starts preparing. We're going to go. We're going to march forward. We're going to take this land. God's made a promise, so we're going to go. God is with us, so we're going to go. God's given us the book, so we know who he is, so we're going to go. We're not going to rest on our laurels. We're not going to not just do anything and wait. We're going to take action. And that's the Christian walk, isn't it? Faith and action. Hear the word, do the word. God loves you, love other people. God's full of grace, show grace to other people. God's kind, be full of kindness to one another. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the good news. That's what punching holes in the darkness looks like. And you know what? I have no doubt that there are going to be, for for us as a church, big decisions to be made. Challenges ahead. Points where you feel we're at crossroads. Where's God? We need God to show up. But you know what? If we rest on his promises, if we're faithful to the word of God, if we're full of the Holy Spirit, thousands and thousands and thousands of people can come to know Jesus. I believe that. I absolutely believe that. Because it's not based on me. Well, it's based on God who gives us the strength and courage to do what's set before us. We can take ground. You know, our town is full of darkness, full of brokenness. And we're just starting, whether it's through CAP or it's through other initiatives or things like Church on the Bus, to punch holes in the darkness. We need to do more of that, don't we? We need to serve more. We need to step up our service in the church. We've got so many kids, 90 kids or something, not all here today. Imagine if those 90 kids are pumped up, fired up, going for Jesus into their schools. So we need people to lead them and teach them and point them towards Jesus. We need church to step up. It's critical. Our mission is critical and we are at a critical juncture. And we're looking at Joshua. That is no accident. And prophetically, if we want to take ground, if we want to roll back the darkness, we need strength and courage, don't we? And it's provided for us. If we would trust in God, we can partner. You can partner with all that God is doing. If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't even spare his own son, but he gave him up so that graciously he'll give us all things. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. I've no idea. Probably raining. But I do know this. You're going to need strength and courage. You're going to need God in order to be effective in doing his work. Because you're not going to be able to do it without him. And if we try, we'll sink. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. No matter how large the task, do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go.